Hey, this is Thomas Q. Jones, former UVA All-American running back, and you're listening to The Jerry Ratcliffe Show. Wahoo wah. Welcome to The Jerry Ratcliffe Show. I'm Chris Graham. I get to be the, the co-host with Jerry here uh, on the show. Boy, we got a lot to talk about, Jerry. You know, basketball season ended a couple of weeks ago. It, it has not slowed down for us writing-wise. Uh, even more news today with Reese Beekman. Boy, I guess that's where we'll start, but he's not the only one. Beekman entering the uh, saying he, he announcing today on Instagram he's entering his name in the NBA draft, but he will maintain his college eligibility. So I guess we can start there. Uh, what's the latest there, Jerry, with with Reese and, and anything else you're hearing about uh, his uh, his news today? Yeah, I, I can't say that it shocked anyone that he decided to do that. There there had been rumors in the air that that uh, at least one more player was going to leave. The program we weren't sure who uh i guess there could still be more for all we know um but you know the, there were some rumors that that reese might uh test the nba waters uh like some of his uh former teammates and those before him at virginia have done like uh trey murphy did a few years ago and that kind of caught people by surprise at the time but uh Wow, he, his stock uh, soared as soon as he started going to NBA camps and to the Combine. And I guess that's what Reese Bigman is hoping that will happen with his because uh, unlike Murphy, uh, he really doesn't have that NBA shot that that uh, scouts look for. Uh, not to say that it, it can't be developed or it might not be somewhere in his repertoire that just hasn't come out yet but he hasn't shown it to this point at least not on a consistent basis uh his strengths are elsewhere with his floor game and defensive game yeah i i looked up some of his numbers is is a deep dive on synergy sports today um 30.4 percent shooting on jump shots this year for for reese that's going to be the the thing that nba front offices and scouts are going to question him about they're going to be looking at when he uh, goes to combines and goes to uh, you know individual team workouts is just what he does on jump shots. Um, and even this year, his numbers went down at the rim. He was a 57.7% shooter at the rim last year, 51.3% this year. I wonder how much of that might have been injuries, though. We know he was playing um, with ankle and hamstring injuries. Uh, for a good bit of this season, and uh, that 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 could have impacted you know his ability to finish the rim, for example. It didn't impact his defense. He was defensive player of the year in the ACC this year. It seemed like something he should have been all three years he was there. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's definitely you know a, a plus for him. But you got to be able to make shots in the NBA, and he improved a little bit on three point jumpers. Thirty three point eight percent last year. Thirty three uh, thirty five point one percent this year. Um, but um, and I'm, I, I did a scan, Jerry, you might have done the same thing. I've been doing this for a few weeks with Reese, looking at NBA mock drafts. And, you know, early in the season, he was uh, – some mock drafts had him in the first round. Uh, you know, lately, uh, you know, a lot of mid to late second round, and even lately I've, I've been seeing some mock drafts that don't even include him uh, in going in either of the two rounds. So, you know, that that's probably why it's important to mention that He's he he announced he's going to enter the draft, but maintain his eligibility, which you know implies he's not going to hire an agent. He's going to go through the evaluation process, see what happens, and if if all he's doing is trying to get an evaluation 
and what he needs to work on. He can, you know, come back next year and, and work on that. And if what happens, as you mentioned, Jerry, with, with Trey Murphy happens, he could just, you know, decide to stay in the draft and, and, and go from there. But um, the options are out there. He, he, he could still come back. Uh, he, he, he could, uh, you know, he could be on the way out. Um, I, I will say though, Jerry, I, I pointed this out in the column I wrote about it today. His 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 message seemed like a goodbye message when I read that a couple of times. I don't know if, yeah. if I'm just reading things into it, but it seemed like he was saying thank you, and I'm on my way out. It, it truly did uh, read like a goodbye message, thanking the community and Virginia fans and the coaching staff and um, fellow students. Um, and you know maybe that's just uh, his optimism in, in in making this move, but uh, and who knows maybe <laughs> maybe he's just one of these kids that's tired of college and wants to if if the NBA is not an option that he could go into G League or go overseas and earn money playing basketball. Maybe he's just tired of the whole college. Uh, scenario I don't, I don't know some kids get tired of it um you would think though that someone with the rest of the game that he possesses if he could work on his offense for another year in college that um it would help his draft draft status a year from now which uh you know a lot of guys have, have done that and um I, I don't know if Virginia's NIL. It's not like other places, like for if we were at Miami, for example, he could say, well, I'll come back if I can get $800,000 or something, but he's not going to get that here. So I don't, you know, he, he actually could transfer somewhere else under those conditions if he so desired. So uh, there's a lot of options for him out there that, uh, that we probably haven't even thought of, but uh, I, it, personally, I, th- I think it would be good for him to have one more year of college basketball to develop his offense, but he may not see it that way. Yeah, he could, you know, he could develop at the NBA level or the G League level if that's what he's going to do. And yeah, that's, that's, and you mentioned he could go somewhere else as well. He's maintaining his college eligibility. He didn't necessarily say that's going to be in Charlottesville. Um, and, you know, I brought up the case when I wrote a column on this, I brought up the case of Kyle Guy. Uh, so you talked about Trey Murphy, who, you know, put his name out there and eventually ended up being a first round pick. Kyle Guy is the other example. He he put his name out there and he ended up being a late second round pick. Kyle's now in Spain, um, where the salaries are nowhere near what they are in the NBA. He's still getting paid to play basketball. Um, he's playing 21 minutes a game, averaging 11 points. It's not quite what he expected. The the, uh, the professional ranks have not been what he expected or many of us expected for him, you know, coming out of Virginia. So um, that's the cautionary tale. I mean, you know, Joe Harris was a second-round pick. He didn't leave school early. Um, if you're a second-round pick or or an undrafted free agent and make a team, uh, there's no guaranteed money. Uh, if you're a first-round pick, it's guaranteed money. You get – you know, you sign a five-year deal. Uh, the you know the last three years of which are options, but it's 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 a it's it's you know you look at what Ty Drums made. Uh, you look at what DeAndre Hunter's made as first-round picks. They that's 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 money in the bank, and so a lot of thoughts, a lot of options, a lot of things to go through there for Reese and his family as they try to navigate this process. But also then on the side of Tony Bennett and Virginia fans, 
lot to navigate there too. They'd already been in the, you know, in the portal looking for a, at least one guard. It makes you think that Tony was hedging against that. Um, all the other news of the week, uh, definitely uh, the Virginia staff has been really busy trying to uh, make contact with with guys in the post as well, with Isaac Trout and Caden Shedrick on their way out the door. So, um, you know, what, what are your what are you hearing as far as those two guys and uh, the impact of losing them? I can't say that I was stunned by that news. Uh, it seemed like Shedrick was unhappy the latter part of the season when his playing time diminished. Uh, we had heard some reasons why, although uh, some of his family members seemed to contest that theory that we put out there that we were told by solid sources that he wasn't getting it done in practice. Um, and uh, maybe he just didn't relay that thought to his his uh, family. I don't know, but uh, that's what we were told uh, from a source that I trust. And and believe me, this source is pretty close to what's going on. He would uh, know. This guy would know. This yeah, is actually you know, now I've, I've, I've given a gender away, but this person would know. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so you know, I think Shedrick's body language—you uh, could tell that he wasn't the happiest camper in the world. And uh, when when Vanderplas was healthy, uh, Shedrick was on the bench, and Vanderplas was getting those minutes. All of a sudden, when Vanderplas broke his wrist the day before the ACC tournament. Shedrick became an important commodity again and uh, started and gave us, uh, gave Virginia some interesting uh, moments, particularly maybe playing the best game of the season in his very last game as a Cavalier against Furman when he had, uh, I think it was 15 points and 13 rebounds and four block shots, um, which shows his capabilities. And uh, he had, some shining moments like that throughout the season, but he also went through dips where he statistically had fallen off and wasn't getting the job done and was getting pushed around the court because he wasn't uh, strong enough, and uh, which led to no playing time at all in some games uh, during the, the heat of the season. And uh, as far as uh, Trout went, uh, I didn't want to believe the <laughs> rumors that he was going to leave because he was homesick. You, you don't hear much of that anymore. Um, but I guess if you're from Nebraska and, you know, you, maybe family situations are tighter out there than they are on the in the East. I don't know. But uh, to leave because you're homesick or you miss your girlfriend, just, I don't know. It just seemed, uh, I don't know, it's irrational to me. But, um, if that's what it was, then that's what it was. And, uh, some people have already said, well, Creighton's after him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't shock me either. <laughs> well, and you know, we didn't see him play, so it's hard to gauge whether or not that's a, it's a big loss. He was obviously a, a well-regarded recruit, a top 60 national recruit. And, you know, what we were told about him was that he would be a a guy who could, you know, obviously play in the post. He's 6'10", but he could also, uh, you know, make some perimeter shots and stretch the floor, which seems to be the way Tony likes to play with his five, his vibes now. Uh, as we saw with Vanderplas this year, um, Jay Huff a couple years ago, Mama Diakite as well. Um, Virginia's at its best when their fives can 
can shoot from the perimeter and in space, the floor. But um, I will say this too. I mean, you know, the decision, a lot of folks have been raising the issue. Well, Tony, Tony redshirted him and that may have been a, a factor in his decision to leave. Well, that was a, from what we were told, it was a mutual decision. Yes. Uh, that, that Trout himself had suggested, Hey, I, I want to get bigger and stronger. And, and, and I think I can do that and, and not waste a year, uh, you know, while I'm doing that. And, if at all during this season, you know, because there was some some issues as we saw with you mentioned Shedrick losing his playing time there and and Vanderplas earning it. Uh, if 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 what you know the coaching staff would have seen in practice would have said, hey, you know, that, we can use him now. Uh, they would have they would have burned the red shirt and he would have been a contributor this season. So, um, you know, I, I know fans like to say, oh, we lost this guy, we lost this guy, but. You know, I, I I don't know that we we see what the coaches see in practice every day, and uh, the, the this news came out with both these guys was early this week, right after the Virginia was eliminated from the NCAA tournament. They were already reaching out to bigs uh, on the transfer portal to to try to get in and see if they can find some guys. So I, I think that the, this the, this news didn't surprise anybody on the coaching staff. They've they've already been trying to replace these guys even before they announced they were leaving. Yes, absolutely. I, I think they had a uh, early warning that that, that this was going to happen, and like you said, as, as soon as the transfer portal opened up, Virginia had contacted somewhere between fifteen and twenty-five players already. Uh, some of those guys have already committed elsewhere, believe it or not. And mm-hmm. uh, but uh, yeah, they they were not caught by surprise like the fan base was, and they probably even saw the. Uh, Bigman think I mean too would be my guess and uh we're prepared to uh start going in that direction so they they have reached out to a ton of people a lot of them that we probably haven't even caught wind of yet and are probably still going to because there's still guys entering the portal every day it seems like yeah Um, yeah. it's over a thousand people in that thing so uh (laughs) You know, I looked at it before we got on the air. It was eleven sixty-seven when I last clicked refresh. <laughs> wow. Wow. It's probably jumped another hundred since then, right? <laughs> it's right. It goes uh, up every minute, it seems like. Yeah. And it's you know, it's uh it's a strange phenomenon <laughs> in today's basketball, but uh you know, if you're really smart about it, and I don't know what kind of a research team Virginia has over there, like maybe some schools do, but uh, I mean, you can completely rebuild your program overnight in the portal. I mean, look look at what Miami did last year. Jim Laranega has guys that were all conference players in three different conferences yeah. <laughs> starting in his lineup. And then Kansas State, I believe, at this time last year, had maybe nobody in their program. I know they it was either zero or one at this time yeah. last year. Yeah. And, and look at them. They were in the final eight and almost in the final four. Yeah. It's a completely rebuilt team from head to toe. So if, if you do your homework and you're smart about it, and for, for Virginia, it might be a little more difficult because some of these guys uh, can't transfer in as easily as they could somewhere else because of credits not being accepted. Um, but you can, uh, you can remold your entire program pretty quickly and, and, come out stronger than you were before one other name i'll throw out there's nothing official at all on on armand franklin but i wrote a column today right. a word getting to me that 
from a source that I think would be pretty reliable on this, uh, having talked with him directly, I, I guess, from that uh, Franklin is sort of hedging on what his – he has a year of eligibility left. He was the leading scorer this year for Virginia, 12.4 points a game, improved a lot uh, as far as his shooting, as particularly three-point shooting. Um, but, you know, the indication is uh, from, the, from the source that Franklin is, is kind of he, – he graduates in May, uh, and he's thinking he's going to graduate and kind of see what happens from there. And that would make you think that – I mean, he hasn't declared for the NBA draft. He could – he hasn't put his name in the transfer portal, but uh, you know those options could still be out there for him. And and uh, you know there had been talk about you know from from folks close to Franklin that he wanted to come back next year. So now it seems like he maybe maybe is leaning a little bit in the other direction. Again, nothing official there, but um, it does it does seem like if we had to, I, I guess if I was having to put money down on it, I would put money on Franklin right now, just a little bit, not a lot, but. I put money down on Franklin, maybe not being back next year too. So you start adding it all up, man, that, who's, who's left? <laughs> <coughs> well, there's the only people left are Isaac McNeely and, and Ryan Dunn. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, Tane Murray, I guess, hasn't decided or made any announcements, but uh, uh, those two freshmen uh, appear to be the only guys left in the program other, other than Franklin at this moment. So, uh, Virginia's close on the brink of doing what Kansas State did in the fact that they may uh, come out with a completely different roster next year. And when you look around the landscape, it's not like Virginia's alone in this. I mean, Carolina, North oh, Carolina, no. for example, uh, you know, Armando Baycott is coming back for his fifth year. He's not an NBA prospect. At least he's, he's a very fringe NBA prospect. So he's going to make some money from NIL at North Carolina. He's a pretty smart guy in that respect. He'll make some He'll make more than he'd make in Europe next year, uh, coming back for one more year at Carolina. But they're going to lose Caleb Love. They had some other guys, some 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 role players. Uh, Puff Johnson uh, is one that comes to mind that are have entered the portal. Caleb Love's a big one to enter the portal for them. That's that's a big name out there. That yeah, a little surprising. But when you look at you know the 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 list of you know the list plural of players that are in that portal, you know they kind of go in there. Uh, VCU just replaced its head coach. Uh, all of a sudden, there's a bunch of ECU players in the portal. G George Mason's coach left to go to Providence. All of a sudden, George Mason's best players in the portal. So, you know, there's there's a lot of guys out there, and there's a lot of programs that are in flux. And I just wonder, though. So, Jerry, I'll say I say that, and then I say said that to say this: <coughs> the way Tony Bennett's system works, both the offense and the defense. It's it's not just, you know, a lot of coaches you, you can adapt from year to year because you kind of just roll the ball out there and let them play. Tony's on a roll the ball out there and let them play coach. You don't play the pack line. You don't pick up the pack line very easily. You don't, you know, necessarily pick up his offensive scheme very easily. You know, this could be you know, it's a challenge for every coach the, the way things are working in this day and age. But I think it's a bigger challenge for Virginia, just the way that Tony Bennett likes to play basketball. Yeah, there's no question they have to be more selective and uh, worry about chemistry and will this guy fit not only as a player but as a personality uh, because we know about Tony's five pillars and he's not going to sacrifice uh, that either. I know a former administrator at Virginia uh, a few years ago told me he tried his best to get Tony to <clears throat> maybe bend a little bit and take a chance on on a uh, one or two questionable 
characters uh, type players with uh, may may have not been the uh, most upright traditional citizens in the world, but uh, but could play some hellacious basketball. And Tony said no. Uh, you know, Tony's told us many times that he got it from his dad that there's no shortcuts in in uh, building uh, his kind of basketball team. And so he, uh, you got to give him credit. He is stuck by that through thick and thin. And uh, but you're right; it does make it a much more challenging situation to find guys that that fit and and the academics as well, because like we said. You know, some guys, uh, uh, some of their classes just won't transfer. And so, I, you know, they, they either have to go back and do more work or or something before they can even qualify to get in. So, uh, I tell you, to be a college basketball coach in these days and times with all this extra uh, work you've got to do to to, it's it's an entirely new recruiting season, essentially. Uh, but you've got less time to do it. Um, I, I don't. I just don't know how they. I don't know how they do that. It's it's incredible. Hi, it's Jonathan Cotton with the Good Feet Store. As a lifelong runner, the pain in my feet was debilitating. Finally, I went into the Good Feet Store and found the answer personally fit art supports. They helped me so much I ran my first marathon that year. Then because I believed in the Good Feet system so much, I bought the store. I'm so happy to offer my hometown community the opportunity to find relief from foot, knee, and back pain. The Good Feet store is located in the shops at Stonefield near Trader Joe's. Book your appointment today at goodfeet.com. This is Chris Slade, former University of Virginia defensive end, graduate of 1993, back on the staff at UVA, excited to be back coaching um, my old stomping grounds. You're listening to the Jerry Ratcliffe Show. You used to be able to end your season, you know, whenever your season ended, whatever NIT or NCAA tournament, whatever, you 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 would, you know, do your ex interviews with your players, uh, you know, the guys who were whose eligibility expired, they were graduating, you, you know, thanks for all your service and thanks for all your help and you know, the guys who were coming back, um, you, you would, you know, lay out plans for them. And then guys who thought they wanted to transfer, well, they you know, they might want to transfer, but they have to sit out a year. Um, you know, now, as soon as the season, as soon as the, you know, the buzzer sounds and your season's over, you got to be out there, like you said, you got to be out there working and recruiting. And, you know, I, the more I look at this, the more I think Jay Wright got it right. I think Jay Wright's got one of the best jobs in America right now. He doesn't have to deal with all this stuff. Exactly, and uh, I would I would say Mike Bray, who uh, apparently could coach, but uh, I, I I think the same holds true for him. He's got the gift of gab and uh, is a very intelligent guy. Uh, if I were him, I would I would say the heck with all these headaches. I would try to get me a nice cozy TV job that paid a lot of money, and. Uh, it's like Dick Vitale told me several times. He said, "Hey, baby, ever since I got out of into TV, I'm undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't lost a game since 1979. Uh, <laughs> that's the way to do it, you know. And and Seth Greenberg is in that group. I mean, you know, it's it's almost like it makes me think. You know, we've we've all decried. A lot of us have decried uh, AAU, the AAUization of of basketball, particularly for all these years. You know the 
you know, it used to be you recruited the high schools and then, you know, now you recruit the AAU teams even more than you do the high school, it seems. And, um, you know, now college basketball is an AAU game. I mean, this is pretty much what it is. You just see if you can get three guys together uh, to form, you know, to form a little power group and build around that. And you do, you, you redo it every year. And, you know, you look at it, I'm, you, you, Jim Beheim kind of got in some trouble. He, he, he says a lot of things to get himself in trouble, but uh, he talked about Pitt and Wake Forest and, uh, the only thing he got wrong there was he tried to imply that there was money involved in that, like NIL money involved in that. But, you know, Jason Cable, uh, not Jason Cable, um, Jeff Cable and um, uh, Steve Forbes down at Wake Forest uh, have have been rebuilding their teams each year, kind of like AAU coaches. Um, uh, Jeff got to the NCAA tournament with Pitt this year. Wake, uh, Steve Forbes has not made it the last couple of years, but he's been close. And um, that seems to be the way to go. I mean, it's a di- you know different way to go than say Duke or Kentucky with the one and dones, but it's very similar because you go out and re- you comb the transfer portal, you rebuild your team, and you see what happens this year. And if you don't like it, you go back and do it again next year. Tony's not. Tony doesn't do that. Tony's you know he he needs. I mean, he's had the stability with his coaching staff. He, his roster stability has always been key and kind of necessary because again of the way they play. So. You know, I guess I'm I'm saying all this to say I fear that, uh, you know, the game might be kind of passing us by here as far as Virginia fans are concerned and that kind of thing. I Tony's got a harder job than most guys do because of the way he he likes to build his program and and I don't I don't know that you I don't know if, as a Virginia alum that I want him to amend that. So you know this is this is an interesting year for him. It, we'll, we'll see how he he responds to this and how he can build around this because. This is the most. This is going to be the most challenging year he's had in an offseason since probably you know year one or two of his his tenure here at Virginia. Yeah, I mean he essentially has to rebuild his entire uh, roster, and um, I wonder how many good coaches, veteran coaches, are going to put up with this. I, you know, I wonder if Roy Williams and Shashevsky didn't weren't influenced a little bit by it. I know they were, had age. Uh, against their side but uh at some point you say that you know do i really want to mess with all this this other stuff uh i don't like the way the game's trending i don't like the new rules uh it's more challenging than ever it's a headache uh i I wonder if if bayheim didn't if that didn't influence chasing him out of the business uh maybe a year or two earlier than than perhaps he wanted to go and yeah, the the one guy, believe it or not, who continues to blow my mind, uh, and I, I have incredible admiration for, who has handled this as good or better than anybody, and of course he has a couple of weapons on his side, is Jim Laranega, who at uh, age 73 uh, has adapted well to the NIL and to the transfer portal and keeps on rolling and here he is in the final four uh again the nil has been a a huge aid to him because i i think uh i think he he had some difficulty some challenges in trying to uh attract high school kids of their year after year after year to miami um particularly earlier on because they didn't have a lot of winning tradition but uh he seemed like he had to depend more on on transfers and and that sort of thing. But 
you talk about somebody who has mastered the portal and the NIL, Chris, and it's one of the oldest coaches in America. Well, he's got a guy who's writing big checks, John Ruiz. Uh, the, doesn't uh, hurt. Booster. It doesn't hurt. Yeah, a guy that, you know, in, in Miami, I guess the, the, they've been spending money, trying to spend money, NIL money, the last couple of years on football down there, and it doesn't seem to be well, a good investment. So this Ruiz guy's writing big checks in, in, in basketball now, and it's they went the Elite Eight last year, the, the Final Four this year. And obviously, you know, Paying guys, you know, paying guys and being willing to pay guys money to to say, hey, if you come here, we'll, we'll you know give you some money. We'll make sure you're taken care of. You still got to go out and coach them. You still got to go out and win the games. And 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 credit to Larry Nega for being able to do what other coaches you know can't do. We, in, integrating new guys into a, a core can be difficult, uh, you know, to get it to work. And and uh, it's it's tough. And you're right. He, he's you know, that's, that should be a game for the young guys. That should be a game for the John Shires of bass. You know, he's in his thirties, right? He's, it should yeah. be a game for guys like that. Not for, you know, not for a guy that cut his teeth coaching at the, uh, the, the feet of Terry Holland 40 plus years ago. So yeah, credit to Larry Nega for doing that. And, and, uh, but I, you know, I think we've seen, we're seeing this um, play out, uh, you know, this year's NCAA tournament, everybody keeps talking about how you know, topsy turvy. This has been the most unpredictable tournament maybe ever. I mean, certainly the highest seed left is a four. Um, so we got a four, two fives, and a nine. I think this is going to be the part. You know, this is going to be the way of the future. I mean, you know, the 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 smaller schools can have a better foothold, or you know, at least an e- more equal foothold because of of the transfer portal and 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 being able to navigate it. And you know, I think I think this is the wave of the future good or bad and i'm hearing from a lot of folks who are starting to think they're going to start checking out because of the the topsy-turvy nature of it all Uh, i think you're right i I think you hit it right on the head i I think uh i remember us having uh seth greenberg on our podcast um around this time a year ago and a lot of things were in flux in college basketball, not to the degree that it, that it is now, but um, he was telling us then that parody, he said, watch out for parody in college basketball because it's here. And it was uh, causing all kinds of, uh, of upsets and abnormalities and stuff. And this year it's even doubled or tripled that. And, I think you're right. I, th- I think unless some dramatic rule changes occur, uh, and I don't see that happening anytime soon, I-, I think I think this is what the future beholds for college basketball, and and who knows, it may even catch up to football in that same uh, regard in the not so distant future. I know there's a lot more people involved, but um, uh, who knows? It, but it, it's. It really is the uh, whirly twirly wild wild west, and uh, uh, it just might be the tip of the iceberg, which is is kind of scary. It is. It is, especially for I mean, our listeners out there, they're Virginia fans, and uh, it's we, we talked about the challenges. You know, um, you know, if you're if you're a school that has a very high admission rate of 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 applicants, you know, applicants versus people admitted into school it's easier to get guys off the portal uh, and get them into school, but it's harder at schools like Virginia and you know, the Northwesterns and Stanford's and uh, of the world to, to get your kids, you know, that you, you might have a target and you say, Hey, I need a, I need a shooting guard. I need a, you know, a shooting, a, a stretch four or a stretch five. Okay, great. There's plenty of guys out there, but can they get into school and can they, 
can they then be a part of your program? And of course, those guys who can get into Virginia are coveted by lots of people, uh, not just Virginia. So, um, you know, that, that, that is a, a, a extra layer of challenge for, you know, Tony Bennett. It's the same thing for Tony Elliott in football, um, uh, that other, other coaches don't have to deal with. And, um, you know, and, and again, as a UVA alum, I don't want Virginia to lower its standards to, to compete in, in athletics. It's you're supposed to do it the right way at Virginia, but man, it does make it hard. <laughs> on the other side of it it really does and uh i mean i was just looking i mean you think about it you you're sitting there and you're in virginia's basketball offices right now and you've got 1100 names in the portal uh i mean how do you go about sorting through guys that might fit into your program uh i mean i it takes some research, uh, yeah. not, not to just find out if these guys are academically fit, but, uh, you know, does their game fit your philosophies? Does, do, do their personalities, uh, fit your five pillars? Do you, uh, think that they could have chemistry with not only who's here, who's remaining, but, but who else you might be bringing in? I mean, I mean, how in the world do you, filter through all of that. And uh, I know Tony and other coaches have said it's, it's kind of like speed dating, uh, which makes it uh, much more accelerated than the regular recruiting that you go through because you get to at least find out a lot more about kids and get to see them play and stuff. I guess with these guys, you have to look at film to see if, if their game matches unless you've recruited them before or or, or seen them play somewhere along the way. Um, it just seems like a massive headache to me, Chris, to have to go through this. I just, I can't imagine. It boggles my mind to have to sit down and try to uh, redis- you know, rediscover and re-recruit a whole new basketball team just out of the blue. Because when you recruit the high school players, you're starting making contact with them as early as their freshman, you know, a lot of cases, as early as their freshman year, maybe even eighth grade year, but you're making contact early with them. Right. Uh, with their coaches with, you know, and getting to learn who they are and you meet, you know, you, you see them play a few times, you see them grow, you see them develop by the time they're juniors for the most part, they've, they've committed to you, you know, the ones who are going to come to you. Um, in this case, you know, you got two weeks or three weeks, maybe. And, uh, and you're, there's 1167 players you're looking at and you need four or five guys. And, you know, yeah, the speed dating part, you're zoom, you're zoom calling, just like we're talking right here on this podcast, you're, you're zooming with people and, you know, you're, you're trying to find anybody, you know, who might know them. And yeah, maybe it's somebody you had contact with five years ago when they were a freshman in high school and you reached out to them the first time or what, but man, yeah, it's, it's, it's four or five years of recruiting broken down into two or three weeks that's you know that's that's hard I mean it's 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 that's why coaches why some of these coaches are leaving early I I can only I can only see their see the reasoning behind that uh if you're Jay Wright you've won two national titles hey I'm I'm good and I I think I'm going to go on TV now exactly I can show off my this is someplace I can show off my four thousand dollar (laughs) suits so you've got a whole closet full of them uh just sitting there. <laughs> but uh yeah the uh you know just the initial list of 15 or 20 players that we saw that that we know that Virginia has at least 
reached out to. It doesn't mean that they're interested in all of them, but they've had contact with. Uh, Virginia didn't play any of those teams during the season, none of them. So, uh, you know, if they have any prior knowledge of these guys, it had to be from AAU ball or high school or a previous recruitment or or something or just haven't having, uh, seen them play by accident while scouting somebody else. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, gosh, that's, it's just overwhelming to me. I'm trying to think, is it Johnny Carpenter? Who's the uh, video coordinator on the Virginia staff? Yeah. He's probably the hardest working guy right now. And I think if I remember right, Tony talked about how Johnny, uh, he and his wife uh, had a, have a, a newborn or, you know, a young, young child. Uh, and he, Tony's trying to tell him to, you know, to make sure to, you know, prioritize spend time with your family. But I, at the same time, somebody's got to cut this video off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Uh, maybe that'll give him something to do when he's uh, up rocking the baby at night. <laughs> <laughs> maybe so. That's, yeah, you know, it's, hey, it's three in the morning. What what are you up for? Well, I might have woken the baby up, actually. <laughs> I, I've forgotten. I played some audio there. Um, so yeah, this is a, this is a tough time, uh, for, uh, you know, Virginia fans are all up in arms. Uh, uh, the news with Beekman probably is the one that sent us over the, <laughs> it's over the cliff there a little bit. Uh, I'm usually the guy trying to talk people down off the cliff. Uh, I'm not sure if I can do that today. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's a, it's a new world that we're all trying to, uh, get accustomed to and it's, difficult especially for old war horses like me who <laughs> have seen recruiting change uh and escalate uh at an unbelievable pace over the past 20 years and now it's it's gotten to another level that none of us had ever imagined it, even it would exist 10 five or 10 years ago so yeah um yeah wow it's just uh mind-boggling it is it is well uh you know we'll we'll Start wrapping up the show. I, I will mention Virginia baseball on the road at Virginia Tech this weekend. Virginia is high as number four in the national polls now. So the Hoos are 23-2, and two, really rolling. I got out to a game last weekend, saw one of the uh, the wins over Florida State. Good crowd on Sunday with nice weather. Um, let's see, men's lacrosse uh, with the big upset last week at uh, Notre Dame, uh, defeating number one Notre, then number one Notre Dame. Uh, so after after losing to Maryland the week before, that was a, a nice win for the for the men's lacrosse team. Um, anything else on your mind, Jerry? As we're uh, getting ready to close the show? Uh, not really. I just wanted to uh, thank our sponsors. I, I guess once things settle down with the uh, the recruiting and spring football, we'll focus a little bit more on the uh, the spring sports and uh, keeping a, a close eye on baseball and men's lacrosse who are both having uh, pretty darn good seasons. And, uh, you know, the other sports, too, they're having great seasons. There's so many good UVA teams in the spring, it's hard to hard to keep up with it all. It is. But, uh, yeah, I just want to thank our sponsors, uh, the Good Feet Store out at uh, Stonefield, uh, Jonathan Cotton, uh, who has uh, helped Virginia with the NIL and is a big Virginia supporter um he's having an event uh i don't know if i can find it on my email very quick or not uh he's having an event out there at stonefield 
um, gosh, sometime in the next week where you can uh, come by and say so long to Kihei Clark and to uh, Jaden Gardner, uh, who were two of his NIL guys. Uh, he's got a special event where you can come by and, and say goodbye to them. I'm trying to look for the date here as going through this email. Um, but also the uh, Aberdeen Barn, uh, great supporter of our program. Uh, uh, go by and get a delicious steak from the best steakhouse in the state of Virginia. Uh, wonderful place to go, wonderful atmosphere. And uh, also Roback, uh, I, I don't know if you lost the video on my uh, portion of the show, but no, I see, I see your Roback logo there. Yeah, I got my Roback on. So, uh, uh, Charlottesville-based activewear company that uh, also sponsors Kihei Clark and other athletes, and um, great, comf comfortable, great-looking uh, sportswear for men and. Uh, they've just come out with a new spring line. So go to our ad and uh, click on it, and you can see the whole catalog of their merchandise. And uh, if you order, use the code word Jerry, J E R R Y, and you get 20% off your first order. And I did find that email from uh, Jonathan Cotton. And uh, <clears throat> April the 3rd, uh, whatever day that is, Chris. Um, it would be Monday. I think it's Monday. Monday, yeah. Mon Monday from uh, four thirty to six thirty at uh, Stonefield. There's Good Feet store in Stonefield. Uh, you can come by and say farewell to Kihei and Jaden. Thank them for their uh, years of service to Virginia basketball and and wish them well to wherever their their future holds and. Uh, yeah, get your picture taken with them, get an autograph. Uh, uh, I think they're going to have posters there uh, of these two guys. And uh good way to, to send them off as a Wahoo fan. See if there's a way we can find some NCAA regulation that we missed. I don't want to get them to come back for another year. <laughs> we could use them. <laughs> um, but no, thanks to the sponsors uh, and, and that great event. Sounds like a, a good thing to be a part of. The weather is going to be great next week, low 70s, uh, mid 70s in, in Charlottesville area. So that should be a great opportunity to get out there and, and see those guys. Um, I, I, I can't promise that Jaden Gardner won't, won't tear up a little bit. Remember him at the senior day? Man, he was a gusher. Um, he really uh, he yeah. really was a was a, a very valuable guy to this program. So was Kihei, of course, and so, uh, yeah, uh, th this feels like the doomsday edition of the Jerry Redfield show, <laughs> the way we've been talking here. But, hey, it's, you know, the, the I guess Tony likes to say that, you know, there will be joy in the morning. I just don't know if it's going to be tomorrow morning necessarily. Um, but in any case, thanks to Jerry, of course, uh, for, for this podcast. Thanks for, for you listeners out there and, and viewers out there. Really appreciate your time. Go to jerryradcliffe.com. Go to augustafreepress.com for the latest on Virginia sports. Everyone have a great day. Looking for a great dining experience in Charlottesville? Look no further than the Aberdeen Barn. The barn has been family owned and operated since 1965, with Terry and Angela providing great atmosphere and mouth-watering food at Virginia's big time steakhouse. 
enjoy the fine dining or relax in the sportsman's bar, a fantastic place to wind down and socialize, surrounded by flat screen televisions tuned to the latest sporting events. You never know who you might bump into at the Aberdeen Barn, where all the greatest Cavaliers have dined over the decades and keep coming back for the delicious menu and good times. Check it out online at AberdeenBarn.com or call 434-296-4630.